Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast. I'm Bill Kelly. Yesterday, Hamilton police held their meeting with members of Hamilton's 2S LGBTQ plus communities. First, we're going to hear from Cameron Croach and Graham Crawford, who were at that meeting. Then Chief of Police Eric Gert will join us with his give on what happened actually at the meeting. And Michael Andlar, owner of the Hamilton Bulldogs, wants a new arena for Hamilton up at Lime Ridge Mall. Michael will talk to us and give us all the details. It's all coming up. The Bill Kelly Podcast starts now. Today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Uh, the long-awaited meeting between Hamilton Police Services and members of the uh, community, LGBTQ community, and others, I guess, uh, met. Uh, and uh, two of the members uh, that were there last night are joining us in studio here. Graham Crawford, of course, and uh, Cameron Croach are both with us. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for coming in today. Good to see you here today. Thanks, Bill. Thanks uh, for having Much us. anticipated, I think, is probably a very apt description of that. Yeah, it, it definitely was. And it took a while to settle on the details, but they were eventually settled on. And it was a, it was a, a decent crowd there, people invited. How did it go? Well, <laughs> you, 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 I want to get an impression from both of you, and then we'll get into some of the details. Cameron, I'll go to you first. I think that it was disappointing to me. I uh, don't think that the people that came out there from HPS were prepared to be accountable, were prepared for the conversation. But this was their meeting. It was. Indeed. Um, I think that Well, they th- you're, you're two for two then, I'm being disappointed, because you went crazy about the, the meeting you had with the, the mayor and, and his staff, uh, I guess, a couple of days before that. Indeed, yeah, I definitely feel that way. It's it is their meeting. They've had time to think about this, but they came yesterday seemingly with a list of can't do's. Uh, we can't do this. We can't do that. I can't talk about what happened at Pride um, because I'm restricted by X and Y. Uh, instead of coming to the meeting and saying, here's what we can do. Here's what we're willing to do. Here's what we understand. They acted as if they needed us to sit there and testify to them as witnesses about what happened and what's happening in marginalized communities. And as I said yesterday, and I'll continue to say, this is not new. What's happening here isn't new. What's happening um, in Hamilton isn't new. And they don't need us to tell them the things they already know. People have been talking about this for decades. Yeah, the same, of course. Um, they, They were not prepared, in my view. In fact, I believe what they were prepared for uh, was for us to talk and for them to listen. So they hadn't prepared anything by way of commitments or statements. The chief did read a statement, but it was a, basically it was a retread of what he read at the Hamilton Police Services Board. I was there, I heard mm-hmm. it. It was almost verbatim. Look, I, w- I do want to say this, though. The meeting was very civil. It was open. It was direct. Members of the LGBTQ plus community spoke directly and asked, uh, I think, a lot of very good and hard questions. What we didn't get, Bill were a lot of good answers. Um, they did respond, uh, but what happens in my, a pattern of behavior I've noticed with the chief is when you ask a specific question, he moves it back up to this macro level and never and avoids answering specifics. And that's exactly what happened last night, in my opinion. By the way, one of the exercises at the very end was to go around the room and use one word to describe how you felt about the meeting. And what was your word? Skeptical. What was uh, yours, Cameron? Mine was mindful. Um, you know, I, I thought a second word might have been cautious there, yeah, but I was thinking about, um, about what Graham had said, being skeptical, and thought, yeah, exactly. Why were you skeptical? Well, I was skeptical because uh, what I witnessed go down in the meeting, again, civility is, is good, but, uh, but openness and transparency, and more importantly, accountability, uh, was critical, and I don't feel that we got much of that at all. 
uh, you get you get a, a box ticked for showing up at a meeting and for calling a meeting. That's okay, but that's not enough. Uh, it may, you know, I think they view this as sort of it has therapeutic value, and it does, of course. But there were probably 25 flip charts of notes on the wall. At the very end, I send to both the deputy and the chief, is anything up there new to you? Because if it is, you're not listening hard enough. And they acknowledge that none of it was new. So Cameron is absolutely right. We've been talking to them and and to people like yourselves, Bill, in the mainstream media and on social media uh, for months and months and years and years for that matter. So to, to use meetings as, um, I fear they're using meetings not to gather information, but to stop from having to take action. And that was my counsel to, to the deputy and to the chief. I said, you, you two, this is an issue of leadership, and you need to turn that leadership mirror around and look at yourselves in the mirror and have a hard look at yourselves, and you need to start making some commitments to our community and stop making mistakes that they have made. And I went through, and so did others, and Cameron was one of them. Decisions they've made that have hurt our community since pride. We have to acknowledge what has actually happened now, not what happened 20 years ago. And, and how did they respond to that? Well... By, by the way, just before you answer that, I want to remind our listeners, uh, Chief Gert is going to join us just after 10 o'clock this morning uh, and give us his perspective on the meeting, too. But uh, carry on. Well, I, I think I'm a good student of body language, and I'm an even better student of statements made by people. Uh, the chief said to me that my he felt that some of my... Uh, statements were accusatory and I said yes they are because I but they're based on fact I'm asking you to answer questions that are being asked of me and by me in our community we need answers to certain things about why you made certain kinds of decisions and the police def and the chief deflected 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 you know he doesn't make the decision about about the parole board getting involved. He doesn't make the decision about officers laying charges. Well, I'll tell you one thing that leaders are supposed to do in major organizations, all of them really, is you at, minim at a minimum set a tone and you guide that tone and you, and you explain and express the vision and the mission and the culture you wish to see realized. And I hope the chief is doing that. But I did not walk away from that meeting last night thinking, oh, we're in good hands here, I'm sorry. I hate to say it because there was civility and the meeting did take place. Uh, we all behaved. But at the end of the day, leadership is what we're, we're, I think we're missing. Cameron, since you and I talked right after the, the Pride event in Gage Park, uh, you've had some questions that you felt were unanswered. Uh, they've been out there. They've been on the table for months now. Uh, you know, we're at the end of the summer. Did you get any answers last night to any of those questions? No, in fact, there was this canned statement by the chief saying, you know, we're not going to talk about anything that's even remotely under investigation. And the first thing I said to him was, I get that there are specifics you can't discuss about individual conduct complaints, and there might be a specific something someone has said about a service complaint that you can't address. But I, I sat in council chambers on July 18th and watched him, A, make a statement about what happened on June 15th at Pride, and then watched him answer questions by Tom Jackson for 20, 30 minutes. And so to tell a group of people in the Two-Spirit and LGBTQIA plus community that you can't even entertain a question they have sets a double standard that I think was really disappointing. Um, it's part of the reason why I'm disappointed. And what I emphasized when I spoke to the chief and to Deputy Bergen directly was that 
They can say all they want about individual officers are the ones who make the arrests and form the grounds of grounds of the arrest and this kind of thing. Um, but what they're doing is a strategic choice, and that's, as Graham's alluded to, about their leadership. When you make those strategic choices and you don't stop them from creating a pattern, then you're responsible for that. You make one arrest, uh, and after that arrest has been made by an officer, you come to the whole team and you say, look, looks like we're doing this kind of in the wrong way. Uh, we should go a different direction here. I'm going to ask all of you to keep this and this and this in mind if we want to build trust with our community. You don't then double down, triple down, and make further arrests. Um, as I said, and I'll say again, every single day for officers, they're making choices to let this slide, let that slide. Uh, you see someone throwing a cigarette butt on the street. Is it illegal to do that? Probably. Are they stopping the cruiser to ticket that person? No. When you're making choices, ask yourself if those choices are having a negative impact on your relationship with the community. And if they're about to, think about them twice. When there's a, a, a situation like this, or there's obviously some tension, and I'm glad the meeting went nice, and, and everybody was 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 behaving themselves. Yep. I get that. Uh, you hope at the end of the meeting there's going to be a, a, some sort of a resolution to say, okay, this is this is what we're going to do going forward then to try to alleviate some of this. Again, can't take back the past. I get that, but let's let's look forward. Did, was there any assurance like that? That you 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 told me when you left the meeting you were not comfortable with. A, uh, the going idea, the going forward idea, that you didn't think that, 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 that there seemed to be that resolution. Well, when, when your big strategy is to keep meeting, when you also acknowledge at this meeting that every single word that, that was shared with you, you already knew, why would you want to have another meeting? Uh, optics is why you do it. It also uh, runs out the clock and, and hopefully people get tired and stop, stop you know, yelling at you. It's time for the police to take some action, to make some clear commitments and statements. They're not doing that, Bill, and it's certainly something I encouraged the chief and the deputy to do last night. Uh, the, our community is hurting, and they are part of this. They are part of the hurt, and they need to change behaviors. And if the chief is going to hide behind, I don't actually, I can't influence officers, they do what they want, then who's in charge? Is every officer just looking at, at, at the rule book and the chief cannot influence that? He, the chief is unable to encourage officers to use judgment and discretion? I don't is, believe is, that, is that for what, a moment. Is that what he told you? Well, that's essentially what well, – that's it's, it's a fair conclusion on our part, in my opinion, given what he said. Yes, if he wants to tell you when he's on that that isn't the case, that he actually does guide the tone and direction of the force, which in my opinion is what he's supposed to be doing – then he should declare what that is. Because if, if the behaviors of the officers are any indication of that tone and direction, it's not helping. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's definitely not helping people feel safe. I think that there's a lot of splitting hairs yesterday. So I know that members of the community were asking questions or bringing up concerns. And the response from both the chief and the chief and the deputy were, uh, kind of things like, well, you know, uh, technically this is where we, you know, why we did this or this is the reason why, you know, we think we should have done this and technically we can't interfere with an officer's right to do X and Y. I think for the general public is a really clear and kind of amazing, actually, example that everyone can, can think about. On the same day, 
you had someone drive a bus up onto the city forecourt, right, and be told, hey, it's okay. If you want us to just pa- park that bus around back, uh, we'll have a chat later. Thanks so much for coming out. And then you had someone who's dancing around, um, someone who's opposing white supremacy in our city, who's opposing fascism in our city, who's standing up to that, um, who was arrested in a rather aggressive way for disturbing the peace. It's a choice, right? You're making a choice when you have this in front of you. And you feel that choice is also sending a message. It's absolutely the point of it is sending the message. It is. When you have officers come to a safe space community conversation, sit there, surveil people, go away, report what happens to the parole, this is all a choice. This isn't something that happened passively um, just by accident. Suddenly the Parole Board of Ontario is just um, going around t- uh, the province looking for parole violations. Not the case. Those two individuals who ruled on that were completely abstract from the situation that happened. It was the two officers in that room, um, one of whom must have made a choice to uh, try to move that forward and to try to send a message that you shouldn't come out here and be critical of police. Well, let's be clear. The two officers who were in the room, one was Deputy Chief uh, Bergen, and the other was the, uh, the head of their hate crimes division. And we pushed, I pushed Bergen on this point last night and said, who made the decision to, to report this to the parole board? He said he didn't do it. And of course, because it's a facilitated event and there are lots of other people, you don't get to do six follow-up questions. Sure. Um, and, but the point is, so Bergen says it wasn't me. So there, and I, I asked the chief directly, did you approve the submission to the parole board? Because if, if you didn't, are you then saying that in the midst of a civic crisis, you're not actually liaising with your deputy? on stuff that actually makes a difference and has a huge impact uh, on how you're perceived in the community. And I didn't get an answer from that either. So I guess what I'm to conclude, it was the hate crimes, the head of the hate crimes division who submitted to the parole board and the deputy and the chief knew nothing about it. Because I, you know, Bill, I don't know what else to conclude based on what I was told last night, including silence. I want to be clear on something that you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, Cameron. Uh, about those questions that you've had since June 15th. Uh, and you've been on the show a number of times and talked about this, and, and you've got a list as long, if not longer. Uh, you were told that this is an ongoing investigation, and, and that was one of the reasons why you were not going to be getting the information that you were seeking. Is, is, have I got that right? More specifically, what they said was that there were a few complaints that were in front of them um, with the Office of the Internal Police Directorate, and that because those complaints were there, um, various legislation and acts said that they couldn't comment on those investigations. Well, as we all know, those complaints were made before the Hamilton Police Services Board on July 18th, and they were still able to take Councillor Jackson's questions. So again, I, that's the kind of thing I found strange there. Um, and But that was what they said yesterday, yes, that that pride is an ongoing investigation. And what I said in the meeting was, let's all be clear. The reason we're sitting in this room today and having this meeting today is because, in part, in large part, I would say, because of the violence that happened at Pride, because of the hate crimes and hate incidents um, that happened at Pride. We're not here for some other arbitrary reason. You haven't reached out to the community because you just want to build goodwill. So if I'm coming here as a representative of that organization but can't talk about it, understand how that immediately sets a tone for the meeting um, that excludes the voices of people who want to talk about that. I want to just latch on to something Graham said, though, that I think is important for everyone to think about. Yeah. 
if Deputy Bergen wasn't the one to report to the parole board, and it was the hate crimes unit, person who runs a hate crimes unit, let's think that through for just a second. Your job is to, as a hate crimes unit officer, to ensure the safety of people when they report hate crimes to you. And what you did with your time was came to a safe space community conversation and actually reported on communities who are the subject of hate crimes. What's that about? What kind of decision making is that about? And if the leadership of Hamilton police does not have their finger in that pie, what are they doing? And the deputy and the chief deny any involvement based on last night. And if, if I've misinterpreted, then the chief needs to clarify. Well, I'll, I'll talk to him about that in just a couple of minutes when he joins us after 10. We've got about a minute and a half left here. Uh, is there any sense in another meeting? Well, I think there's a, a sense in another meeting. The question is what happens in between. And for me, I think the police have some work to do and they need to, to make not just a statement, but to show that they're making some changes. They, and the chief needs to come out and be clear about that. Uh, if, if all they're going to do is what the mayor thinks is a solution, is to have a year-long seminar series talking about hate to fix the problem, we, we are in deep trouble, Bill. We're, sorry, we're in deeper trouble. Your thoughts? Yes, there needs to be concrete action. It's, uh, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit around uh, for which concrete action can be taken. And I think we've had enough of hearing statements, uh, having dialogues, and asking the community to continue to re-traumatize themselves and do the work of saying something that they know isn't new. They know what the problem is. They have the power, the privilege, and the resources to solve this problem tomorrow. Are they willing to do it? We'll find out. Well, quite literally tomorrow, because I believe there's going to be another rally at City Hall, is there not? I will be there, and I hope others will join us. Uh, gentlemen, thanks so much for coming in today. Uh, it's uh, a pivotal time in, in, our, in our community right now, and uh, uh, we're looking for leadership from our leaders and, uh, and from, of course, your communities as well, and you're showing that leadership. And here's hoping that uh, we can do something to, to try to resolve this. It's going to take a long time, though. This isn't going to happen after a two-hour meeting. Thank you for good thoughts, Bill. Yeah, thanks for having us on, Bill. Thanks very much. Good to have both of you here, Cameron Croach and uh, Graham Crawford, of course. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, we had a couple of representatives who were at the uh, meeting at, uh, last night with Hamilton Chief of Police Eric Goethe, Graham Crawford, and uh, Cameron Croche uh, were with us and uh, expressing some concerns. I mean, they said the meeting was civil and, and they were glad I think they attended, but uh, they felt, if I could just paraphrase, that uh, they asked a lot of questions and didn't get an out of a lot of the answers that they were looking for. I think that might have been the gist of, of, of what their concerns were, among others. Uh, and uh, to that end, we're so pleased to welcome uh, Chief of Police Eric Gert to the program as he joins us here on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Chief, thank you for the time. It's good to have you with us today. Thanks, Bill. Glad to be back on. Uh, Chief, did you have a chance to listen to, uh, to what uh, Cameron and uh, Graham had to say the, in the last hour? I certainly did, and it's kind of part of the larger theme, and I was asked at the meeting as well, you know, have we been listening, have we been monitoring social media, um, are we aware of the issues? The answer is yes to all of those. Uh, one, we think it's important. Two, I think the broader uh, commentary from the larger group, and we had 12 members uh, with lived experience. There was uh, multiple people who attended, came from different places and identities. So the theme was, this isn't new, I agree. Uh, it is part of a larger, uh, long-standing issue, I agree with that. And as you know, Deputy Bergen worked in Toronto and dates back to the days of the interactions back in the 80s. And, uh, you know, on our own issues here in Hamilton. Mm -hmm. So uh, this was really an opportunity to come to learn, to listen, 
And I think if we're being criticized for listening, I think part of the other dialogue is you haven't been listening. We have. Uh, but also, I thought it was not a good idea to come out and just say, um, you know, these are our action items where we're going without input from what the community wanted. And we're not quite there yet. Um, you know, relative to not getting answers to questions, and I can certainly talk about that, we talked about the limitations um, and the resolutions to, uh, you know, you knew about this with the OIPRD complaint, didn't actually because they handled the complaint. I got that information just prior to the board meeting. And so, you know, why have you been speaking about it? I think the responsibility, and you certainly know, you've asked me, Bill, is where I can speak to it, I will, because it's an extremely important issue. Mm -hmm. um, the difficulty I have, and let's just talk about, say, an SIU investigation, Special Investigations Unit investigation, where, you know, it's extremely serious because you've either taken somebody's life or caused serious bodily harm, and you're having an investigation. In that particular portion of the Act, I am prohibited in law from speaking about it at all. And, you know, not only myself, but other chiefs across the province, and when we met with Justice Tolick, who was looking at the review of this, we have asserted we'd, we'd like to be able to speak as much as possible without, or without endangering uh, the outcome of a criminal investigation. So uh, I'm as frustrated as anybody about uh, what I can and cannot say, but I'm required to follow the law. I, I know that seems self well, And we've, we've, had, we've, we've had to cross that bridge many times when you've done the town halls uh, and some of the topics that, that we brought up here. And I understand that the, you know, un under law you have limitations. So uh, just to be clear then, is, is there an ongoing investigation about, for instance, what happened at, at Gage Park on the 15th of June? Is that still yeah, being investigated? Well, the OIPRD has three investigations, which, which I reported to at the board meeting. Uh, there are two service uh, complaints, and there is one conduct complaint. So the conduct complaint means an officer has been identified specifically as doing whatever the allegation is, and that will be investigated by them. And then I have two service complaints, which is the broader discussion about what happened on that date. And under law, uh, they are directed back to me, and then the overview, which was not cited here, is that actually the complainant can then say, I'm not satisfied with that, and then that goes back to the police service board for next steps. So, um, you know, I, I realize we're getting more technical here, uh, but I don't kind of get to step away from the technicalities. I do actually have to answer and, and do the things that are required by law. So who's actually doing the investigations then, Chief? Uh, for the one, um, or the two, they're directed back to me, so that'll be our service. And on the other one, uh, I believe it's going to be OIPRD. If not, what they have is they have oversight for the outcome of that investigation that we provide to them. And I think that's an important point because it is the Office of the Independent Police Review Director, and all that stuff is uh, in statute. It's in the Act. How long is that going to take? I understand you can't be specific about this one, but do these things take six weeks, six months? Any ideas? Uh, my view would be, um, and depending on the number of people, and we do encourage people uh, to come forward, um, it'll depend on the number of witnesses they have to speak to, how the investigation unfolds. I certainly, particularly in light of a, a review of this, I would state we want a, the most fulsome investigation we can get. All right. And that takes time. Go ahead. Yeah, I understand that. And, and obviously, I've, even after the, the testimony of, of people that may want to come forward, obviously, there's got to be some conclusions drawn to get that. That's the process. But when all of that is said and done, and you've got that final report in front of you, uh, would you at that time be able to talk more candidly about some of the concerns that were raised last night about what happened, not just at Gage Park, but I mean at City Hall and some of the other concerns that have been raised by the, uh, the members of the community that attended last night? 
Certainly, and, and what I said was, um, you know, we're bound by the investigative processes currently, um, and this is directly from my comments. We know there are lessons to be learned in how we respond to the event, and now we'll do things differently in the future. And the idea is to work with the community uh, when we're at that point, when we have the factual content. And, and you know, it's, it's uh, just to back it up a bit, it's all about relationships and how do you move forward on these long-standing issues because, uh, and we really borrow quite heavily from the missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls, is the recommendations right at the outset of that, and I've spoken to the board about this a couple of times, they talk clearly about uh, current relationships, how they work, the opportunity for transformation, learning and understanding, and where do you go forward in the relationship. So some of the commentary today earlier was, well, you should just tell us what you're doing. Um, to me, that doesn't meet the spirit of a relationship where you ask somebody um, what you're going to do or what the preference is or what the specific current issues are. We're aware of uh, the longstanding issues. We're aware of the issues from that. But to presume that I know exactly, you know, the 12 uh, persons in that room, their point of view, I have to hear it. And we really went to learn, to listen. And then there are next steps. And quite frankly, I have to rely on the consensus of the group because, as you know, you don't always get um, unanimous uh, direction in terms of what should be done, and you've, you've heard some of the alternate points of view. Uh, there were alternate points of view at that meeting, and so we listened to uh, all of the input. All right. One of the overriding points of view, though, and, and I wasn't in the meeting last night, but I've talked to members of this community many times, and, uh, is there's a, a consensus among a lot of them are, are, that police don't have their back. And they don't feel safe in this community. Uh, when you when police are there, they don't feel as if as if they're being fair-minded about this. I mean, I'm I'm just stating what I'm being told here right now. Uh, how would you address something like that? Because clearly, that 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 that's a troubling situation. If there are people in this community that don't feel as if they're being protected properly by police. So again, and I'll address one of the the, the major issues that came from one of the persons is you know my direction to officers on what they'll do. And we went over the provisions, uh, offices of police officers, what they're required to do. And they have to form reasonable grounds to a criminal offense. I don't form it for them. Um, and they are accountable, both in law and for accountability, on their decisions. And I said, not just in this event. This can be domestic situations, impaired driving. Um, I cannot be there every day, not that I would be. And they have to have and do have... Uh, the obligation to do that and you know we've had what reasonable grounds uh, are defined in the courts and they've been very clear on what that is and I shared that last night uh, so if there's a view that I would direct every single operation no do we look at the mission vision values uh, yes so you know first and foremost our role as peace officers in the community is to ensure uh, Hamiltonians feel truly safe and respected in our city uh, and we remain committed to it I also have the obligation in law without being self-evident. I have to follow the law. I have to follow, you know, the Constitution is the supreme law. I have to follow Supreme Court decisions. Whether I'm happy with that or not really has nothing to do with it. My obligation is to follow the law. And we've had judges speak to very specific issues. Uh, we've now had change in legislation on uh, street checks. We followed that law. And we were involved in the input on that with Justice Tullock. Uh, we do support accountability. I, you know, both as chiefs across the province. And I support that accountability, but the accountability has to happen in the proper forum. And I can't preempt that. So let's just look at um, how a uh, criminal trial works. You have defense, you have uh, the Crown, you have examination of evidence, 
You have cross-examination evidence in testing that, and then the judge is required to have a finding beyond a reasonable doubt. I think that's an important process in a constitutional democracy. Oh, uh, absolutely it is, but I, I think right. the, con- uh, the concern here, though, Chief, is uh, I, I understand that you all have to follow, your officers, yourself, your administration, all have to follow the rule of law, and, and I, th- I think that's a given. But given what's happened in the in the last number of months here, there are a number yeah. of people in this community right now that don't feel as if they're being properly protected and uh, in, by, by police, and, and that, not just at Gage Park, but in some of the subsequent sessions that have happened in various parts of the city right now. So having said that, you follow all the letter and, and you feel comfortable that officers are doing what they are supposed to do, yet there's an element of the community right now that's saying, well, you know, we don't feel secure and safe here. How, how do you address that? How do you fix that? Yeah, and we definitely heard that and we acknowledge that. And it's not okay. Um, so how do we move forward to better ensure that? Um, and, and it's not an out. It's within our obligations, within the findings, within all those things, and applying the law in a proper manner by our frontline officers. That really is the test. But I agree with you. And from a community standpoint, I find that as troubling as anybody, that people do not feel safe. And, and I, I, you know, we undertook not to identify specific members uh, but I do know one of the members, and uh, one of the things that really troubled me was um, we'd, I'd met with um, this person on a number of occasions and felt good that they could come to a public space and feel safe, and now they don't. That really does trouble me. Uh, so, you know, do I have the... Well, do, we, do police have a, a role in, in trying to, to, to rectify that problem? Sure we do, and that's really the purpose of this meeting is, um, okay, what's the current status, what's the current broad range of voices, how do we, uh, you know, out of the next step move forward? So out of this meeting, uh, through consensus, because not everybody agreed, was yes, we need to actually do a, a smaller meeting first. It was viewed as the right size before we move to a more uh, public meeting in a broader area. Uh, one of the things we undertook to even for this meeting was we moved to a neutral location. Uh, we moved to two co-facilitators, uh, both with lived experience, uh, to facilitate that, who reviewed and through consensus that they were more neutral. And then, you know, with the broader community, the 2SL, uh, GBTQ plus community, uh, we think we need to bring, and that was a consensus again, more voices into the room. Uh, with 12, it's certainly not enough. And that that's going to take time to do. You know, if, if the view is, we well, should just come up with instant solutions. I quite frankly think that's disingenuous to what happens in a relationship. If I'm not listening um, and I don't get additional input, acknowledging that many of the issues, and I think, you know, that your two speakers earlier said that, we acknowledge that, um, but there can be other changes, and that's what's happened. Changes. Well, and I think that's change. what they're looking for. I mean, we, uh, I heard that word a lot, the one you just used, change. They're looking for that. Right. Do you have a strategy here, Chief? I mean, uh, you know, obviously, yep. as you mentioned, there's going to be another series of meetings. What's, what's the end game here? Where do you see this going, and, and how soon can we get there? Yeah, one of the things I was heartened by was uh, members who have uh, worked with the task force previously uh, want that resurrected. Uh, will it look differently? Sure, we're open to that. I think that's a good idea because, you know, an advisory group is one thing. Task force is very different. And certainly I agree on, you know, what are the concrete action items to move this forward, to make people feel safer, to meet not only our obligations in law, but fundamentally how do we make people feel safer? The other thing I'll say is, um, and it's not a, um, a departure, is it's a broader community piece, too, because 
it's not just our actions, it's the actions within the broader community. And we've certainly seen that playing not only here in Hamilton, but really across the international context. But at, And we get there, and okay, you've had the meetings, you've had all the input, and, and uh, it, what do you do with that? Are, are there possibility of changes of policy, changes in direction? How do you, how do you, how do you fix what's, what's clearly not working well right now? Right, and uh, you know the answer is those that we are looking for transformed chains, but ones that will be responsive to the community. So you know, if it's a policy change, okay. If it's a change in response, okay. And will it meet the guidelines that we're restricted by as well in terms of both case law, constitutional requirements, all those things? And I think the education works both ways. Uh, we had questions last night that you know, under the structure of the meeting, we're put in a parking lot. And by the time we were done, and I think people were well aware of it, we didn't have ample to opportunity to answer all those things directly. We do want to have an opportunity to do that. That will require next meetings. <clears throat> and then if there's certain key questions that remain for that larger context, we move to a more public environment, I think that's the time to start answering the things. Uh, we're out of time in this session, unfortunately, but uh, this is a process, and uh, we're certainly going to stay on top of this. Uh, Chief, thank you so much for the time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Bill. That's uh, Hamilton Chief of Police, Eric Gert. Uh, so th there will be another meeting. Uh, when we talked to Graham and Cameron in the last hour, they uh, seemed uh, to be on side with the idea that, yeah, there's got to be some more discussion about this, and clearly that's what the Chief is saying right now. But uh, uh, we've we got a long way to go. That's pretty obvious. There is uh, still a huge, huge gap. And, uh, well, dealing with the mistrust that, uh, that a lot of people in the community have talked about right now. So... We'll certainly uh, give everybody an opportunity to uh, talk to us about this on the program in the coming days and weeks ahead. We have to do a break right now, though. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. This coming Wednesday, Hamilton City Council is uh, General Issues Committee is going to be dealing with a couple of things. First of all, another consultant's report uh, to do with the arenas and the entertainment facilities downtown. But also uh, a firm proposal from uh, Michael Andlar, the owner of the Hamilton Bulldogs, who uh, wants to build an arena on Hamilton Mountain, specifically around the Lime Ridge Mall. Uh, we've been talking about this before. Uh, it was kind of like, what if, and hey, wouldn't it be nice if? Uh, it seems as if they're a lot farther down the road in this proposal right now with their partners, Cadillac Fairview. Michael Adler, the owner of the Bulldogs, joins us here on the Bill Kelly Show to uh, fill in some of those gaps. Michael, thank you for the time. Great to have you today. My pleasure, Bill. Good to be here. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this. You and I talked about the possibilities of doing something like this, uh, and, and I know you've been in conversations with Cadillac Fairview. How far down the road are you with Cadillac Fairview? Is this a firm proposal now, Michael? Um, I, I I believe so. I mean, we've been at it for about four years, to be honest with you. Um, ever since uh, I brought the OHL in in um, into Hamilton. Um, and we we spoke at the time. I think Donna Skelly was still the yeah, that's right. The Ward Seven. So we had meetings with uh, city managers, uh, Donna Skelly, uh, city planners, mayor, uh, economic development uh, folks, uh, to name a few. So this has been going on for about three, four years now, uh, and. Uh, Brought in the folks from Cadillac Fairview, since they're the largest taxpayer in the city, uh, and uh, you know, uh, uh, I think we're lucky to have Cadillac Fairview uh, as, as a member of the of the city, um, and uh, and talked about opportunities uh, in terms of a revitalizing the mall and and uh, also de dealing with the issue of of a, of a stadium that uh, that's 
going to inevitably cost taxpayers a lot of money just to upkeep. So um, uh, the, try to try to get some guidance from the city to say, okay, what would you like to see? And, and uh, you know, with the city planner talking about with the urban uh, sprawl going on right now, uh, and you know, Glenbrook and Bin Books of the world growing uh, rapidly uh, to try to get some intensification. Uh, whether it be particularly up on the mountain, and uh, uh, try to get some guidance, and, and then ultimately having the mayor uh, ask, "Why don't you put something down uh, so we you know, uh, so we can look at it?" Uh, uh, so uh, we're taking a stab at it uh, in in light of you know three three years of discussion, really. Well, in the, as we've talked about in the past, Michael, I mean, this is a far more practical approach. I mean, I guess on Wednesday, Council's also going to get another consultant's report from Ernst & Young this time, uh, which essentially says, look, at, if you want to stay downtown and fix that place up, it's going to cost a ton of money. Uh, they, uh, now, to build a new arena even up at Limeridge Mall is not going to be a, an inexpensive proposition, but it's going to be considerably less and probably have a bigger payoff, I would think. No, uh, uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, that's 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 to be seen, uh, and I think that from I think the Yernstang report, I have had, I, I did have a, a, a brief look at it. Um, um, one, uh, and it it seems to me that uh, I, I guess uh, uh, I'm in the transport business, but the rubbers hit the road on this one. Uh, <laughs> we, we've we've. Uh, um, there's a reality uh, forthcoming is that it's going to cost taxpayers money, so we've got to deal with it. Um, but I think to me, what, you know, when Ernst and Young came and asked me my opinions and and discussed it, uh, uh, not only as the anchor tenant, but also from my view, have, having been uh, you know here in downtown Hamilton for the last, I guess, since 2004, um, for me, um, it, it, it uh, I gave my thoughts and and I really. Felt that it's not about one building. It's about you know, it's about a, creating an you know, a, an entertainment precinct, cre- creating an environment where where people feel safe to come to the to to uh, to a concert or to a game or or um, or to live downtown or to uh, or to work downtown, uh, particularly after hours. And and uh, uh, and it's it's more than just a building. To me, it's uh, it's. It's uh, an exercise of revitalizing uh, the downtown core, and you know some parts of it I've already started. Uh, some of the you know, best restaurants in in in, in Ontario are, are are in Hamilton, in, you know, in, on the James Street side of things, in my opinion. Uh, and and uh, I think there's there's an opportunity there. You got to look bigger than just a building, in my opinion, in order for this to be successful. So. Uh, but that all takes times, and you can only have so many studies, uh, and, and you got to get going. And you know, I, I approached the city, I guess, you know, three, four years ago, and I was I was warned by the mayor. I said, you know, Michael, you know, uh, municipal municipalities don't work quite as quickly as private enterprise, and and uh, I get it, I respect it, and I think at this juncture, this this report, I think probably is is creating an environment where hopefully the action will be taken. Well, and I think uh, I think a lot of us are sharing the frustration that you've had. And, and by the way, you've been very patient through this whole thing, uh, much more than maybe a lot of other people would have been in a circumstance like this. Uh, but the, the location seems to be the element here. But and you're right; things are starting to move. I mean, there are other groups now that that are looking at things like uh, like the convention center and and possibly upgrading these sorts of things. And that's all good news. It's great to see that the people are willing to start jumping in here. But I, I think it's as as you mentioned. 
it's time to get going on this. I mean, we don't need to study this thing anymore. We need a new arena. Uh, you're partnering with Cadillac Fairview. We've talked about the possibility, and the, I know the assets. I think are uh, of building a location up there, Michael, are pretty self-evident. You're right by the link. You've got easy access. There's lots of parking, free parking, as a matter of fact, uh, which is somewhat problematic downtown. So, uh, and of course, the revitalization uh, of that particular area too, which of course has suffered some some problems. The malls have technically, you know, because of some of the anchor stores that have left Sears in particular. So th- that that that's the business case. Uh, I'm not sure what kind of a reception you're going to get from council on this proposal, though, because some people are just married to the idea that an arena has to be downtown. Yeah, I saw Sam Rulo's comments this morning, and and I and I, and I understand. I mean, to me, uh, there's there's there are definitely uh, merits to to being downtown, and I've said it, I've been asked before. I said I'm not, you know, the reason I've been patient is I'm not I'm not trying to be self-serving just for myself. I think it's a, it's a, it, it's an opportunity to be win-win-win, and I'm con- I'm conscious of the fact that it's. Uh, you can't go it t- uh, totally private, and at this juncture, I think you need to get private sector in into uh, uh, to work together. I think there's, there's a win-win situation, and I'm so I'm open to all ideas. So I'm, I'm but at the end of the day, I, I don't want to wait another four years, and that's that's why this opportunity allows us to break ground relatively quickly because it's not it's actually on it's in the Lime Ridge Mall. It's not outside Lime Ridge yeah. Mall, and, and it. Uh, it's an opportunity where, where Cadillac Fairview has done an incredible job. If you look at their, you know, if you look at uh, the Eaton Center or Showway Gardens, or to name a few, and, and you know, in Canada and, and even around the world, how they how they've have they've reinvented themselves with the mall, and it becomes a destination. It becomes a place that people want to go and, and eat and and get entertained and or shop or even shop uh, for those who who don't shop online anymore. <laughs> Uh, there's a few of uh, us who don't. There's a couple. Yeah, I laughed. I think, uh, but nonetheless, I think I think it's an opportunity to. Uh, uh, so, f- uh, but it allows us to uh, to act quickly, and I think that's what you know. I think certainly, you know, to to have something that that is uh, that Hamiltonians can be proud of when they go see a concert or go see a sporting event. Uh, that's that's more in line of what you know, a place like London or Halifax or even St. Catharines has, I think it's, is, is, uh, I think is, uh, is exciting. Um, so that's, uh, that to me is, a, is, you know, the mayor asked me to put something down, put, some, put, a, put something forward, and, and I think we have. And if, if it has the merits, then great, and then we'll move forward. Uh, the, you, know, I, you know, the downtown, I, I, to me, I, it's just a matter of I just don't want to keep on waiting another three, four years. I, I'm watching how this whole LRT is developing, and it's 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 uh, it's making me nervous that downtown might not take might might take a little too long to get um, to get done. So, um, with that being said, uh, at least at least at least people have options versus uh, versus uh, over the last three four years where there has been no option really. Well, I got to tell you something. As a Hamiltonian who was around back in the day when that arena opened the first time, I'm still waiting for the economic development that they said was going to happen, and it just hasn't uh, for whatever reason. And that's you know that's a long story in and of itself. But this idea that it's going to make uh, new restaurants uh, locate down there, and, I mean, and we've got great restaurants downtown, and I'm not so sure it has anything to do with the arena. Uh, it might not just be the right place to have an arena, and uh, you know what they decided to do many years ago may not be the best thing for them to do now. I, I guess what you're asking for at this stage is for council to at least just have an open mind. Yeah, I think to to your point, I think the the vision was to have an NHL team at the sure. time, and it, it never materialized, and and that probably has something uh, something to do with that. That that, that place is made for the NHL, and and uh, uh, so. 
you know, so I think that's, that's uh, uh, in this case, I, I, you know, things have changed over time, and, and uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe, I, you know, the NY report definitely shows merits of, of, having, of having a facility downtown. Uh, certainly not putting lipstick on this thing is going to give taxpayers any, uh, uh, it's going to cost the city more money, in my opinion. I've said that since, since day one, actually since the, since we lost the bid of the Memorial Cup because of the facility, not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and um, uh, which would have been a nice, uh, you know, a, a week and a half of, of, of economic uh, uh, output for, for our city. But uh, anyway, uh, I, I, like I said, I don't want to downplay uh, the downtown. I'm not here to talk about, to, to push. I think, I think the Cadillac Fairview at Limeridge Mall uh, option is, is, is a viable one, or else I wouldn't have put it forward if I didn't feel it was a truly a win-win-win situation. Now, I want to be clear, just so Council understands and, and our listeners understand, uh, that this partnership uh, that you're working in, this bid that you're putting together with Cadillac Fairview, uh, is for that location only, for the, for the Limeridge Mall area, right? That is correct. I mean, if Council says, well, would you guys consider a downtown location, I, I would think that's a deal-breaker. Cadillac, Cadillac Fairview, I don't think, wants a downtown location. They want to invest it on, on their property. Bill, that's something for you to ask Cadillac Fairview. I, I don't want to speculate. Well, I plan to, but yeah. I, 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 but I would... Uh, I would suggest that only because I've suggested it maybe a couple of years ago. I said, "What about downtown?" Um, and at that point, uh, uh, I was told that not at this juncture we're, we're, we want to focus uh, at Limeridge Mall. So that was so. Like I said, this has been going on for at least three years. Uh, we've been we've been discussing this, and I would you know, try to get the right guidance so I don't I don't waste anybody's time. Uh, including ours, <laughs> uh, and we're at that point. It's unfortunate that, that actually, maybe it is fortunate that at least uh, council is not going to have to have, uh, make some decisions in, in terms of uh, options. But uh, it's unfortunate that it actually comes at, comes at the same time as the report uh, because I I would love to have this in front of the city uh, a long time ago. But just based on suggestions or, or uh, that that I that I wait until now. Well, I, I think actually it could work to your benefit in a situation like this because, I mean, they're going to have that Ernst & Young report in front of them. It basically kind of outlines uh, what the costs are going to be if they consider staying downtown or renovating the existing building, whatever it is, all stuff that we've talked about in the past. But those numbers are astronomical. And obviously with the city, I think, is online and, and on record is suggesting they've got to have private sector investment. Well, that's, that's you. That's Cadillac Fairview. Uh, I don't know that too many other people are throwing their hands up and say, yeah, we'll help you here, too. I know there's other interesting community partners here, but uh, I don't think they're tied to a particular location. They just want to see something happen. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I, I think if, if I mean, I've, I've expressed that. I think if the city gave a clearer vision of what uh, what what they wanted and, and spelled it out, I think you know, more, not, not just about three buildings, uh, but more in terms of having an entertainment precinct that was, you know, uh, a whole, you know, a city block uh, and created that environment. I think, I think, I think then you might get even more private sector interest uh, from uh, even outside of Hamilton. But uh, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to dispel anything. I think we're, I think if, I think council's ready to action this report. And I think uh, I'm, I'm excited that it's finally, you know, something. Hopefully, finally something something happens and, and we go and we move forward for the benefit of uh, entertainment fans hockey fans and taxpayers 
is is downtown off your your sheet altogether now? I mean, if they say no, 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 wait, we got a plan B here, and we'd like you to be part of it, would you listen? As long as the plan B was executable uh, and mm-hmm. and and imminent, <laughs> and I think that's why, that's the thing. I've been waiting for so long to 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 do something, and and then you know. When I, when I found out last year that all of us said we're going to spend millions of dollars to fix, fix escalators and elevators, that could have all been avoided if, had, we, had we started earlier, in my opinion. And, and all this maintenance capital expenditures that the city is going to have to do to maintain this building is, is to me, is, is, is money that, that should have gone into uh, something new, which is what the EY report says ultimately in the long term will be cheaper for, for, for Hamiltonians. Well, and there's one other. I know we have to go in a second here, but the, as you read through the Ernst Young report, I think one of the things that I underlined that I hope council pays attention to uh, are the number of times where events have taken place at uh, First Ontario Centre uh, with less than capacity crowds. In other words, that top rung there that usually has a curtain around it is very rarely used. I mean, there's the odd concert every seven or eight months, I guess, but other than that, it's just a building that's not built for the uses that we need here in Hamilton. So I'm hoping they take that into consideration. Yeah, and I, and I think if you look at today's, you know, today's entertainment and the acts, so there's a lot, le- a lot more, a uh, lot more content uh, with respect to, uh, you know, more acts. Uh, uh, you don't have the, the, uh, um, you don't have as many large acts, and then we also have Tim Hortons Field down the street, sure, which is, yeah, which 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 can, but I think, uh, uh, you know, in today's world, you, you see. Uh, you know, you can have Elton John play in, in London or in Halifax, or you can have some of these great acts. And a Elton, lot of Elton John played the St. Catharines Arena a few months ago. I mean, you know, oh, they, there you go. There you have it. Michael, yeah. we gotta well, we got to wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk again, I'm sure, after Council has their say about this next week. Thanks so much for this, and uh, good luck on Wednesday. Thank you, Bill. Have a great weekend. Great talking with you again. Michael Andelier, one of the Hamilton Bulldogs. We'll certainly keep our eye on that story over the next couple of weeks. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML. The Bill Kelly Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also listen to The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from 9 till noon on 900 CHML. I'm Bill Kelly. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure that you rate and review.